0: Hello and welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. I am Mark Gunger, the pastor here at Celebration Church. As you can tell, those of you who go to the Bayside campus, I'm not here tonight and uh, because I am doing uh, an event for the U.S. Army military couples. Pray for them. God will give us some real miracles in helping these couples that are fighting to defend our freedoms in this country. And uh, they're having a very hard time keeping their marriages together in the army. And uh, we're always blessed whenever they uh, call us to come and help to work with them. So, uh, and also to explain to those of you who are used to watching this by video, why it's so quiet when I'm speaking, because there's nobody here. And I know, not everybody's too crazy about it, by the way. Not only the people who like to see me live, but even the people who watch my video can tell it's not quite as exciting because it's so quiet. But you think it's hard for you, you want to try preaching to a camera for 45 minutes. But it'll be fine. The good news is the Word of God is bigger than all that. And it's true whether it's written on paper, stuck on video, sung in a song, it doesn't matter. Hallelujah. God's word is powerful and strong. And we just, whenever I can't make it, we videotape it so that we can keep going forward and keep studying the Bible. And that's what we're going to do. We are now in the book of Joshua. We went through <laughs> the, whole, the whole book of Deuteronomy last Wednesday. That's pretty fast. A lot of stuff in there. But uh, we are now in the, uh, the book of Joshua. As I straighten out my Bible here. Um, so now, the children of Israel, Moses has died ok, for 40, we brought him up out of Egypt, let my people go he was going to take them to the promised land they whined, so for 40 years they wandered around, till they finally all died off, at the end God takes them up to a mountain, says there's the promised land he let them see it, but he wouldn't go in because he and Aaron had been disobedient, uh, in that very small matter, seemed small to me anyway so he didn't get to go in, so both uh, uh, Aaron had died first and then Moses died And the Bible says that God buried Moses. Kind of a fascinating thing. And to this day, no one has any idea where that uh, tomb is. And I'm pretty sure no one will ever find it. I can pretty much guarantee that if God doesn't want you to find it, you ain't going to find it. So so anyway, so that's where he's buried. So now it's turned over to Joshua. And now he says, let's go, Joshua. You're the guy who's going to take them into the promised land. So what we're going to do is we're going to continue on here. Uh, for a little bit, we won't uh, be stuck in, in the Old Testament forever, although it's really, really great stuff. But I want to hit some of the major events, again, that affect us today in our faith. Uh, you know, there's a reason why we're where we're at today in, in, uh, in, the, in the New Testament. is because of what God had done in the beginning, in the covenant that he had established with Israel. And there's some significant events and stories that happen, uh, stories in sense of just telling the story not that they're made up but they're uh, significant events that happened that we still refer to today and uh, it's great to look at this so you can get a sense of what they are so uh, we won't do all of Joshua but I am going to jump through and hit some of the key points so it might go fairly quickly too Uh, and then into Judges as well because there's some uh, significant events there like Samson and Delilah and some of those pretty amazing uh, stories and we want you to Kind of get familiar with all of that stuff. All right. And then we'll see how f- much further we go before we jump back to the New Testament. So here we are in Joshua. We'll pick it up at Joshua chapter 1 verse 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord says to Joshua, son of Nun, not son of a Nun. seems how nuns can't have sons, but son of Nun. This is his dad's name. Moses aid. And he says this, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses. So I will be with you, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. So he transfers the promises that he's given to Moses now to Joshua. and says, hang in there, I will be with you. By the way, um, even to this day in the uh, uh, Middle East, where they're constantly having these wars and fights and stuff like that, uh, you get this battle between, just within the uh, Jewish community itself, the Israelite nation over there, on you know giving the palestinians land and versus not giving them land and all that kind of stuff that whole struggle a lot of that has to do with the fact that the very conservative uh, jews there still look at all of that land that god gave them here uh, that they're supposed to have it all so uh, they don't want to give them any land in fact they think they ought to have all of that land as they originally had so this fight to this day but this is what pushes, uh, you know, again, very conservative Jews who want to get back to uh, the book of Moses and, and the way it was initially established. They want all that. The more people trying to compromise or trying to work it out with them. Anyway, it's a big mess over there. and will be for the foreseeable future. Anyway, back to our story. Uh, be strong, God says to him, and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Note, it says, very courageous. Now, why would that have to be that way? God's going to be with them. He promises, I will be with you. I'm going to go in there with you, and we're going to kick butt and take names. I'm going to clear out these people, and you guys are going to take care of everything. But still, he says, be strong and very courageous. He just said, be strong and courageous. And then he says, be strong and be very courageous. And he's going to say it again in just a second. Be strong and... Don't be full of fear. Why? Because the tendency is to be full of fear. Even when God is taking you in a direction, He wants you to go. See, this stuff doesn't come easily. You know, a lot of people think, well, gee, if I'm just just in faith, it's going to be a piece of cake, and I'm not going to have any worries, and, you know, God's going to so just do everything. No, even when God is with you in the most dramatic of ways, there's still going to be a challenge to you to be strong okay particularly the Bible says in the New Testament to be strong in the Lord Le- lean on God let him give you his strength so you can be strong and be very courageous don't be afraid uh, no matter what you do as a matter of faith as a believer in your own lives as as you follow God and, and, and some of you have been in this for. 20, 30, 40 years. Some of you, you've been in this for 20, 40 days. I mean, this is all very, very new to you, uh, and as exciting and as wonderful as it is to grow in your faith, even growing in your faith as God is with you and He's bringing you along and empowering you and answering your prayers and doing neat, cool things in your life, it's still going to require you to be strong and very courageous. Don't because uh, if there's if there's one thing the enemy can do to keep you from experiencing God in your life, is to fill you with fear. And fear is the opposite of faith. So he, obviously Satan doesn't want you to be in a place of faith, so he tries to fill you with fear. And God knows, look, watch out for that. Because the minute you start letting yourself be filled with fear, it will rob from you, the very thing God wants to give you. Great example. We've all, uh, most of us I'm sure have read the story about how Uh, Peter and the disciples were out in the middle of the lake and the wind's blowing and everything and Jesus had stayed behind and they're rowing, having a hard time moving and then all of a sudden they see Jesus coming to them walking on the water. Well, everybody freaks. They think it's a ghost. I mean, you know, you can imagine. These guys, you know, they'd spent all their lives on the water. These are grown courageous men, but this the storm was freaking them out and all of a sudden you don't see people walking on water every day. So all of a sudden they see them coming and ah what is that? It just freaks them out. I'm sure as the lightning and stuff's going off and you see somebody coming at you, a little creepy. Well Peter recognizes who it is. And he sees that it's Jesus. And Peter yells out to Jesus, said, Lord, if that's really you, tell me to come out on the water to you. And Jesus said, Come on. So he climbs out of the boat and he is now walking on the water. Now, how cool does that have to be? I mean, how many people have walked on water for crying out loud? He is out there and he's literally, everything in his body, his brain, everything has got to be screaming at him. You're crazy. You're insane. What are you doing? But he's walking on the water and he's in faith. And this has to be so exciting for him. But then the Bible says, that all of a sudden he started noticing the waves and the wind. And he got his eyes off of Jesus, which is what happens, and we get our eyes on the circumstances, and of course, his heart starts to fill with fear. And what happens? He starts to sink and would have drowned but for Jesus reaching out and grabbing him and pulling it up. But pulling him up, by the way. They both had to walk back on the water to get into the boat. But I mean, so so it's, it's like that in our own lives. We can be walking with God, experiencing the amazing, experiencing the unexpected, experiencing the blessings of God. But don't fool yourself for a minute. Satan will always try to get you to get your eyes off of the blessings of God and fill you with fear about what's happening In your life. Fill you with fear. About what you're hearing. And seeing. And experiencing around you. Why? Because if he can fill you with fear. Even though you're doing the impossible. Walking on the water. You. My friend. Will start to sink. And of course. In the end. He would love for you just to drown. In your circumstances. The good news is you can cry out to Jesus. He'll still pull you back up. But. uh, So even in faith today. You need to be strong. So here God. Has these guys. He's, going to be with, he's already been with them in incredible ways. He says, guys, we're about to go in there. We're about to take over the whole deal. Be strong and courageous. Now he says, be strong and very courageous. And he says, be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left uh, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Get this word in you. Get it in you. Get it in you is what he's trying to tell them. Okay, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it then you will be prosperous and succeed have I not commanded you and then he tells him again be strong and courageous and then he puts it in very clear language do not be terrified now if God is telling you don't be terrified that would make me a little nervous Seriously, I mean, if we're about to go, let's say, on a, uh, I don't know, uh, what do you call those things, roller coasters, okay? And you talk me into getting on the roller coaster with you. And you say, hey, it'll be great, it's going to be fabulous. Okay, great. So you talk me into it, and I get, uh, and we get on it. And then you turn to me, and very seriously you say, no, seriously, don't be terrified. <laughs> no, I'm a little freaked out, what do you mean don't be terrified, that alone would terrify me, why, because it might be a lot worse than I was expecting and I, I don't know what's coming yet, well when God tells you hey don't be terrified, you got to admit he knew what they were about to do was going to test them, it's, it was going to push them to the max, it was going to require every ounce of faith and confidence in God that they would have, Uh so I, I just think it's hilarious how many times he says, Don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, uh, don't be terrified. And then he goes on, Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. One thing's for sure Joshua had to know from God that what they were about to do was no small deal. It was going to cost them, it was going to be heavy, it was going to be challenging, but God was going to be with them. Hallelujah. I, said, I just love that because that's life for you and me. Life isn't easy. Life is hard. All of life is hard. Dealing with people is hard. Being single is hard. Being married is hard. Some would say harder. I mean, just having children is hard. Everything in life, working at work is hard. Just ask all the people who work for me. Sometimes it's very hard. Uh, Life is just, just tough. But don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. Don't be terrified. I will be with you, God says. And uh, this is kind of indicative of how God leads us. He often takes us into areas that, in the natural, will freak you out. And and don't think you're out of the will of God if all of a sudden you're facing something that is scaring the willies out of you. No, it's probably God. Say, why is that? Because God will often take you into areas that will terrify you. (laughs) Here's some good news for you tonight, huh? Praise God, we're all going to be terrified. But he said, don't be terrified, he says. In the natural, it would tend to terrify you. He says, but don't do it. Refuse. Refuse to let it happen. As, as, as I've preached, Jesus said, uh, I pre- talked about this on Sunday. Um, Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. You see, there's a decision. When something comes at you that freaks you out, you, there's that, that moment where you have to make a decision, where you say, I am either going to be freaked out and terrified. Or I refuse to be terrified and I'm going to trust God. And uh, and let me encourage you, when you get into those situations and you make that choice, and by the way, fear is a choice. He says, no, it's not. I don't, I don't know. to just freaked me out. No, 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 no. It's always a choice. Let me encourage you. Choose faith. Refuse. As Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Refuse. Don't let it happen to you. Okay? So then Joshua after hearing all this from God uh, says uh, he, he ordered the officers of the people go through the camp and tell the people get your supplies ready three days from now we're going to cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land Your, uh, the Lord your God is giving you for your own so here it is. The, the order comes down they have been out there for 40 years okay all their parents and stuff had died off they're the next generation of people uh, the oldest of them is in their 40s pretty young bunch of people at this point and uh, he says okay guys this is it, in three days we're going in we're crossing the Jordan we're taking the land so everybody's pretty jazzed All right. now let's skip uh, to uh, chapter 2 verse 1 so they're, get, they're getting ready now to go in t- to take this thing so it says then Joshua the son of Nun secretly sent two spies from Shittim he says, "Go look over the land." He said, especially Jericho, because that's city number one that they're going to take. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Now, <laughs> not sure what their wives would have thought about that. But why would you go stay at the house of a prostitute? Well, we don't know the whole story here. We don't know what was happening and stuff i presume they went to stay with someone of very low esteem uh, uh you know that um and probably someone that people would never think that they would have stayed there okay remember they're spies they're hiding out and somehow they must have known that this woman was favorable to uh, to the israelites and to their cause uh hard to see at this point but anyway so they go they're spying out joshua the chick or, or uh Uh, not Joshua, but uh, Jericho, okay? And so they're staying with uh, Rahab the prostitute. Well now, the king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the word gets out even. So somehow they still find out, hey, there's some spies they are hanging out there with Rahab, okay? So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. Again, see, she's favorable to the the Israelites. And she's protecting them now. And she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, uh, the men left. And I don't know which way they went. So go after them quickly. You might be able to catch up with them. All right, so now, obviously the woman's lying at this point. You say, well, would God bless a lie? Well, typically not. But in this particular situation, um, you know, she just blatantly lied to protect these guys. Um, again, I know some people would really freak out about that. I remember, uh, you know, back in the early 70s, there was a few opportunities where when Deb and I were with a ministry over in Europe, we smuggled Bibles behind the Iron Curtain to uh, to the church back there. And uh, whenever... We come to the border, and they say, do you have anything to declare? We say, no, we have nothing to declare. Uh, And then we smuggle these Bibles in, and we just pray, and God always protected us. They never found the Bibles that we were hiding and stuff. Uh, But some people had real problems. They said, well, you're lying. You're lying. How dare you lie? Well, you know, I don't know. It's it's not the kind of lie, certainly from a wicked heart. It's not the kind of lie. uh, It's it's more deflection. It's interesting, because there's a story in... uh, Where uh, God told Samuel to go and anoint David, king of Israel. And Samuel says, well, I can't do that because Saul will kill me. And uh, God says, well, if anybody asks, just tell them you're going to uh, uh, sacrifice. (laughs) I think that's pretty funny. God is telling them to, you know, at best, a white lie. So clearly there's a difference between... You know, covering yourself and and hiding the truth from people, and and really out of a wicked heart, which is in fact a sin, because now you're lying and you're telling false testimony and that kind of stuff. Obviously, when you're protecting someone, uh, you know, God apparently doesn't have a lot of problem with that. I'm sure that the Christians who hid Jews during World War II, uh, and you know, stormtroopers would come in and, and interrogate them. Do you know of any Jews? And they said, No, we don't know of any. You know, were they lying? Yeah, they were. Do you think God was happy with them? I think He was. I think that uh, He was blessed that they were willing to take that kind of risk, and they deflected evil in doing that sort of thing. So again, opens up self all kinds of debates. And don't write me. I don't want to hear your version of it. I don't really care. But uh, clearly, in this case, this lady deflected evil by telling him something else, and protected these guys. So we see in verse six. Uh, after she said these guys had left he said but she had taken them up to uh, taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof so the men set out in pursuit of the spies pursuit <laughs> pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the forts of the jordan and as soon as the pursuers had gone the gate was shut so these guys run off She goes, go get them. I think they left, you know, earlier. Go check them out. So they take off, they shut the gates, and then she's got these guys hidden away. Well, before the spies had laid down for the night, she went up on the roof. And she said this to them. She says, I know that the Lord has given this land to you. And that a great fear of you has fallen on us. So that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. So she admits, look, we all know you're coming. We know you guys have been out there for 40 years wandering around. We know you're getting this way. We know God has been with you. They had clearly heard the stories of what had happened to Egypt. And clearly heard the stories of how God had protected them wherever they went while they were wandering for 40 years. So they were all terrified. So she's telling them, look, we know all this stuff. Which is kind of why they were there. They were there to get information on, on where the people were at. Anyway, so she says, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came up out of Egypt. And what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God uh, is God in heaven, above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother My brothers and sisters and all who belong to them. And that you will save us from death. So she's basically saying, okay, I'm protecting you guys. We know you're coming. Everybody's scared to death. I know God is with you. When you come, don't kill me or my family. Keep my mom and dad, my brothers and sisters, all their kids, everybody safe. Well, the guy said, okay, our lives for your lives. You protected us. We will protect you. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. So they climb out of the window. She gives them the rope. They go down so they can escape. Now she had said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourself there for three days until they return and then go on your way. So hang out. Wait till they go running around all over the place. They'll come back and then you guys can go. Well, the man said this to her. This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down and unless you have brought your father and mother your brothers and all your family into the house if anyone goes outside your house into the street his blood will be on his own hand. head we will not be responsible as for anyone who is in the house with you his blood will be on our head, head if a hand is laid on him but, but if you tell what we are doing we will be released from the oath you made us swear so very simply he says look we're, we're making these, swear, these oaths they would swear and they took these oaths very seriously And so so we swear to protect you but only if you hang this scarlet cord so we can identify because they'll tell everybody when you see this scarlet cord don't hurt anybody in that house that was the sign that was going to protect them and uh, and as, as, only as long as everybody stays in the house anybody leaves in the house they're on their own and if you renege on the deal you're on your own so she agreed let it be as you say so she sent them away and they departed she tied the scarlet cord in the window when they left they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them then the two men started back they went down out of the hills forded uh, the river and came to joshua son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them They said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands because the people are melting in fear because of us. So this is very encouraging to them. When they hear the story about how everybody was dreading them, they knew that God was going to be with them. And they were much more confident going into the battle because everybody's scared to death of them. Which they needed to be because wasn't anybody going to be able to beat them at this point because God was on their side. Now I want you to think a little bit about this. This is... One of the oddest, strangest things. I mean, again, we don't know how they wound up at the house of a prostitute. We don't. It doesn't say. It just says, boom, here they are. there. They're staying there. All of a sudden, the word gets out that they're spies. They come. The king's trying to get the spies. She lies for them. Oh, they already left. She's protecting them. Doing all this stuff. Okay? Now, God is using this woman in a powerful way. now, I want you to look at something with me. This is this is going to be pretty amazing. Look at uh, turn all the way over to Matthew, first book in the New Testament, and I want to, I want you to check this out. Uh, so eventually when we're going to get here where we, we where we read how they come in and they take the city of Jericho, and um, apparently I mean so they save the lady and her family, and apparently. Some guys who uh, highly regarded this woman. She was immediately considered somewhat of a hero to the Israelites. Highly looked on in favor with the nation because she had protected these guys and kept secret uh, about the the, the fact that they were coming, da, 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 whatever. So, So one of these guys later in the Israelites falls in love with her, marries the girl. So she must have become a convert to Judaism. And say, well, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, check it out. This is, this is an amazing thing. If you look at Matthew, the first chapter, um, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and all his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. You remember, she's the one who seduced her father-in-law, pretending she was a prostitute, so she could get pregnant to have those boys. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amenadab. Amenadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. This is Rahab, the prostitute, that we're just reading about here. So Salmon marries Rahab, and then they have Boaz, who goes on uh, to... Uh, uh, Boaz uh, was the father of Obed, who was the mother of Ruth. You read the story of Ruth and stuff like that. So, but it goes on and eventually, um, if you keep reading all those names down, eventually becomes part of the lineage of Jesus Christ, who was born. Now stop and think about that. Here God, as part of the lineage of the Messiah... One of the women who's in this list of all these people that eventually the line of the Messiah comes through, one of those people was Rahab, who was a prostitute. Okay, now, she wasn't a prostitute anymore when she came as part of the Israelites, but to talk about a story of redemption, you know, and and this should be encouraging for some of you, because I I know that some people, you know, you've come to Jesus and, uh, you know, you've had just some pretty sordid past. Some of you guys in our church. And that's okay. And it's great. And we love the fact that God has called you. And you're part of. You know it's not great that you did all the weird things you did. But I mean it's great that you you put your faith in Jesus. But sometimes you think. Well you know I. You know I've, I've made so many mistakes. I've done so many wrong things. I've, I've been so bad. Surely God cannot use me. Well take heart in this story. And many others like it in the Bible. God's love is big enough to be able to use any body doesn't matter the you know don't don't don't, don't let your past dictate your future if god is going to use you he's going to use you and uh, even though you might have made big mistakes and, and done wrong things and stuff like that god still you can use you in a mighty way and look at this lady talk about making all the wrong decisions i mean the woman's a prostitute and all of that means she sells her body to men she doesn't know for money you know, uh, living a very perverted lifestyle. But yet somehow, somewhere, again, it doesn't tell us how, but somewhere, somehow, she meets these two guys. She takes them in. She's on God's side. She protects them and promises to keep their secret and asks them to keep her safe, and they do. And she eventually gets, you know, uh, uh, involved or a part of the nation I presume she becomes converted and starts to become a believer in Jehovah. Certainly she's a believer at this point because she knew that God was with them and that he's the God of heaven and earth and nobody can withstand him. And and then eventually marries one of these guys and actually goes on to be part of the Messiahs. You know, part of Jesus' lineage. Great, 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 great grandmother down the line was a prostitute. A heathen prostitutes some of these other ladies did weird things and stuff but they were still part of the jewish nation this lady she wasn't even a jew not born that way uh she became that way by faith converting to it and uh, god used her in an amazing way and she actually had an impact not only on her nation but on you and me and being part of the line of of the messiah that was born into the earth i mean how cool is that So so don't ever think that, you know, God can't use you because you've made dumb mistakes or you've made bad choices. And gee, if I would have only done this in my life instead of this, you know, that somehow I'm doomed and, and God can't use me. Look, you might have made a gazillion really bad choices. But the day you start doing right choices and you start trusting God and doing the right things, God can and will and indeed wants To use you. Because this brings him great glory. God sometimes is is, uh, greatly glorified when uh, some of the most flawed people in the world put their faith and trust in him and start doing the right things. Now having said all that, uh, don't be careless about your life, particularly young people. Uh, You know, uh, if you're a young adult in your teens and whatever listening to this, don't think, well, gee, doesn't matter what I do i can be a prostitute and all kinds of god still you know hey don't be stupid be smart you know you don't want to tempt god you don't want to be foolish you don't just go running out in the street and playing in the traffic because if they get run over you know the doctors can put you back together i mean you don't want to go through pain that you don't need to go through better to do it right trust me much better to do it right there's way more evidence of people who did it right their whole lives and god used them uh But just so you know, that even when wrong has been done and bad choices have been done, uh, there's still redemption. God still has a way of making things right and, and still using people. Again, that's not a license to do wrong things. It's just an encouragement that for when you make mistakes, God is there, he'll forgive you, and he can still use you to change people's lives. Okay, all right. So now let's jump to chapter three, uh, verse fourteen. So now what what they're looking at now is they're ready to go in. Three days, we're going to go and take the land. These guys come back. It took them three days. High now, so they're ready to go in. Um, But right away they got a problem: the Jordan River. It's uh it's high. It's uh it's at flood stage. Uh, How do you cross the thing? Well, they were all full of faith and confidence because God had been with them. They had heard how God had split the Red Sea for their parents and grandparents. Why would he be any different now? So let's pick it up at verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went with them. This is the Ark of the Covenant, the thing that you saw in Indiana Jones and all that kind of stuff. The Ark of the Covenant, you know, the Ten Commandments are in there and all, the, all these things, the signs of God's blessings with them. And they're carrying this out in front. Now the Jordan is at flood stage uh, all during harvest. Uh, So the water is extremely high. They couldn't have crossed on their own. But yet it says, Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. Now it's a little bit different this time. Before it was like, the water split like this. Okay. And... You know, this time, as soon as they touch it, what happens? It just quits flowing. All of a sudden, it just stops uh, upstream. Um, So the water stopped flowing from upstream. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathon, while the water flowing to the Sea of Arabeth, the salt sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. So they could see it. All of a sudden, the water just all of a sudden upstream over by the city of Adam. Uh, it just quit. And it's building. They can see it building. I don't know, I don't know if those guys were flooding up there or what their story was. We don't know. All of a sudden, it just quit flowing. The rest of the water flows away. Boom. Now they can cross. So, pretty cool. So, um, da, 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 da. so they crossed uh, over on uh, opposite Jericho. It's verse 17. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly, firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan. While all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed crossing on dry ground. So they're just standing there in the middle of what had been the river, holding the ark. Everybody just kept crossing over this huge nation of people. Uh, Let's jump to chapter 4, verse 10. Now the priests who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over, and as soon as all of them had crossed the ark of the Lord... And the priests came to the other side while the people watched. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, armed in front of the Israelites as Moses had directed them. These are the guys who, remember, they wanted to stay on the other side of the Jordan. And they were going to stay there. That's where they wanted their promised land to be. But they agreed to come over and fight with them. We read that. So he's talking about that they did it. It says about 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. uh, And they revered him all the days of his life, just as they had revered Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priest carrying the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So he says, Come on, guys. So so Joshua commanded the priest to come up out of the Jordan. And the priest came up out of the river carrying the ark of the uh, Lord. No sooner that they had set their feet on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before so as soon as they climbed out of it boom here comes the water and and rushing um kind of an interesting thing too by the way here is uh you notice God kind of likes to do things differently uh you know I've just been preaching about change and how so many people hate change and they fear change. They, don't, they, they resist change at, at any kind of level because it just makes them uncomfortable and how many churches, they worship the same way that they've worshipped for, you know, 600 years or 1,000 years, whatever the deal is, and they're just, you know, this is our tradition and we do it the same all the time. And we still sing, sing the same songs we sang back in the 1600s and whatever the deal is and da 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 um, It's like this desire for everything to constantly be exactly the same. But when you look at God, He was always doing things just a little different, like to do a twist on stuff. The first, why didn't He just split the river like before? I don't know. Didn't want to. Soon as before it split, this time it just bottled up and ran down, and they crossed that way. Um, The one time God told Moses to hit the rock. And water would come out. Next time he says, this time talk to the rock and uh, have water come out. Of course, he didn't do it. He hit it anyway. That's what got him in trouble. But uh, God just kind of mixes things up. It's kind of interesting when you read um, detailed accounts of how Jesus prayed for different people and in different ways. You keep seeing different ways that he would go about it. I mean, one time, guy's blind and. Jesus takes a bunch of mud and hocks a loogie and and makes mud out of it, you know, dirt and and, and uh, takes spit and makes mud and, and puts it all over his eyes, you know. Wow, why did he do that? I have no idea. Doesn't say he ever did it any other time. it's I just think there's there's something in the nature of God that loves diversity, loves change at some level you're not change from righteousness and holiness but the things don't always have to be done exactly the same way all the time uh, i think god at some point gets a kick out of stretching people and switching things up probably so they won't get comfortable uh, in one way of doing things uh, or just uh, become complacent in their faith so again this is another part of that faith that can bring terror sometimes or fear into your life because we haven't quite done it this way before and then, and you know it would be uh, obviously easier if God did everything the same way each time then it would be extremely predictable we could just come up with a a writing of how God does stuff each time. And God's, well, when God heals you, He'll do it exactly this way. And when God blesses you, it will act this way. And if you're in financial trouble, this is exactly what will happen each time. And, you know, da 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 da. Why doesn't God do that? Because He knows people. You know, we would get more caught up in trying to recreate uh, that stuff than connecting with Him. You know, it would become like a book of witchcraft to us. You know, eye of Newt and a little bat wing and a little, little bit of this and you know and stir it all together and then you get this potion. See, that's witchcraft. It's the same all the time, same incantations, same spells, da da, da. God doesn't want people of faith to be that way. And while there's the promises of God that we constantly lean on, there's always this mystery of I'm not exactly how God, sure God is going to do this, but you know that He's going to do it, and He does it in a variety of ways. A lot of you. All kinds of you have been, had miracles in your lives, healings. Uh, a lot of you I know personally have had cancer and, and, and you're completely healed today. And it's interesting talking to various people. They kind of all got there a little different way. Why is that? I, I just think it's part of God's way of not trying to uh, allow us to get complacent or to expect God to be so predictable. God is not... That predictable. He's, he's predictable in the sense that he promises he will not leave you or forsake you. He promises if you trust him. That kind of stuff you can lean on. But not so predictable that you know exactly how it's going to happen every single time. Again, for a lot of us, we would love that. It would be great. Man, if I just knew exactly how God was going to get me out of this mess, ooh, wouldn't that be great? But you don't want to go there. Because the more that you try to hang on to stuff, the more your heart gets... To- Turn to the stuff instead of to God. And you need to be careful about that. Remember when when uh, Moses made that bronze serpent, serpent and put it up on that pole. I call it snake on a stick. When they were all getting bit with uh, poisonous snakes. And then if they look up to the serpent, God says, if you look up, you'll get healed. And, and Jesus said, just like that, I'm going to be lifted up on the cross. And if you look to me, you'll be healed of your sins. Okay, But remember what they did with the snake. They took the brown snake and then they started worshipping it. They started bowing down later and worshipping the stupid snake on a stick. Why? Because that's what happens. When you think it's all about this way. It has to be this way all the time. And it has to be very predictable in this way. I love the fact that God kept changing things up. We're about to read how they took Joshua. And how the walls came tumbling down. It happened there. Not Joshua, but Jericho. Uh, Joshua was the guy who went and took the town. You know, but the other cities, it didn't happen that way. Why not? See, a lot of us, that's exactly what we would have done. We would have had this great victory with with Jericho and then we'd come to the next city and everybody said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, what are you doing? So well, we're going to take the city. No, 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 you wait and you walk around it. One time for seven days and on the seventh day, seven times. That's what you do. We would get into a formula. Then faith becomes about the formula. A lot of people are very formulaic in their approach to God and God hates that. Don't try to put God in a box. Okay? Again, you can trust God. You can lean on His promises. But don't get to the point where you think God can be so predictable that you can just sit there and follow formulas. In fact, that's one of the things. Even people who are are pretty uh, faith-motivated, you know, and, and I know what they're trying to say, but they, you know, confess this word, read this word, confess this word. It makes me a little nervous because it almost... It borderlines, I'm telling you, it borderlines on this witchcraft. I'm not saying it is, but I'm just saying you got to be careful with this stuff. You can't just say, just because I quote this and do this and point to the West and raise my hands and pray, you know, that you're going to get an answer all the time. It's not that predictable, and God doesn't want to be that predictable. Again, you can lean on the Word of God, but, but don't try to get to a place that you think if I just go ABC, you can manipulate God. You can't. You can trust God, but you can't manipulate Him. All right? So, anyway, don't let your heart be troubled. Be courageous. Be very courageous. What you're about to do sometimes might terrify you as you walk with God into ways you're not exactly sure how you're going to get there. But trust Him. He will see you through it. So anyway, when we come back next week, and I'll be back in front of actual people then, um, we will pick up the story and we will take a look at how they went and they took Jericho and uh, and uh, then we'll kind of hop through Pretty quick through the, through the rest of Joshua. And then look at some of these uh, important judges that uh, we talked about, like Gideon and and uh, uh, Samson and Delilah and all that kind of stuff. So it'll be kind of fun stuff. Good stuff. Anyway, see you guys next Wednesday.
1: Amen. Some very powerful stuff that, that we've heard tonight. and. Let me encourage you, right before we, in a moment, just take the offering together. There's two things that that I heard Pastor Mark say there. And one was, and I really think that there's some folk here tonight that uh, really need to hear this word, that not to let your past dictate your future. Uh, Your past may have been horrific. You may have made some bad choices, poor choices. But not to let your past dictate your future. Rahab, by putting that scarlet cord in that window... And when they came to take the land, her and her whole family were saved. And that scarlet cord is kind of a symbol, symbolism of the blood of Jesus, the the scarlet blood that, that that Jesus shed on the cross. So we're going to be celebrating here in Easter in a couple of weeks' time. And it's because of the blood of Jesus that our past does not have to dictate, dictate our future. Our future now is washed in the blood of Jesus. If you've accepted Christ into your life as your personal Savior, if you've allowed the blood of Jesus to come, And into your life and you've received that that blood. You know, the wonderful thing about it is that God now views you covered in the blood. The Word of God says it's as though you've never sinned. You may remember it. and You may sometimes think, God, you know, I remember it very clearly. And other people keep pointing it out. God looks down and He says, what sin? There's no sin there. Because you have washed in the blood of Jesus. That's scarlet. That's scarlet cord. Don't let the past dictate your future. And the fact too that God is just a a, a God that is really challenging us to have a personal relationship with Him. A dynamic relationship with Him. Not getting into some sort of formula. Not getting into some sort of preconceived way. This is the way you do it. And the only way you can get to God is doing it this way. The truth is, is that we have a relationship with Him. Personal relationship with God. Now Pastor Marcus said in the past, I'm sure you've heard it before. You can come to church all day long. And just coming to church is not going to make you a Christian. Coming to church is a good thing. But it's not a formula. It's a relationship with God. And we can enjoy that relationship with them 24-7, day in and day out. Amen. I want to invite the ushers if they would come. And let's just celebrate the Lord with our giving tonight. Would you bow your heads with me. Father, we... We just again are very, Lord, as it were, almost honored to just be again to be exposed to your word. Your word that is not just words written on a piece of paper. Because you, Holy Spirit, come and you make your word alive. It becomes the Rhema word. And it comes in our hearts and it it changes us, it challenges us. We've been challenged tonight. Just by hearing the stories again of what you did, when the children of Israel, through leadership of, with Joshua, going into that promised land, and Father, we've been challenged again in our walk with you, that we can take that word, apply it to our lives, allow that to walk us through the week that we and the situations that we face day by day and moment by moment. The Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for the privilege that we have tonight of giving, giving of our tithe, giving of offering, giving. To missions, whatever it may be, Lord, generously giving into your kingdom so that others may come to know you as their personal savior as well. Others may come to have a dynamic relationship with you, to know that you are the King of kings and the Lord of laws, the Lord of Lord, and that their lives are washed in, you, in the blood of Jesus. So we thank you for that, Lord. We give to you now in your precious name. Amen.